Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. Welcome everybody. This is going to be a very exciting show for me because it's one of my favorite topics and one of my favorite authors. Um, I have. <clears throat> we're going to be talking about Billy Myers' predictions and, and prophecies tonight with Mark Snyder, who has been with us often and is my go-to guy as an expert on Billy Myers. So, welcome to the show, Mark. Thanks, Barbara. It's just good to hear from you. Uh, thanks for getting in touch with me. <laughs> My pleasure, totally. <laughs> um, if you like, I can, you know, I wanted to do here at the very beginning of the show, if it's okay, just as we were talking before we came on the air. I'm going to play um, the an episode of the latest Star Trek Series, which is Strange New Worlds. Have you seen it yet at all? Not yet, no. It's, uh, they had a whole year last year. So go out sometime on YouTube and look for Star Trek Strange New Worlds. They got some free episodes you can see. And the reason I'm going to bring it up is just because there are some really interesting intersections which, with some of the Meyer material. And you won't be able to see it. The people won't be able to see it, but I can kind of describe it, and you guys should be able to hear it. So I'm going to play this, and it's going to be pretty loud, pretty interesting, and I'll stop, and, and then we can talk a little bit about it. Last season on Star Trek Strange New Worlds. That thing on war is over. The Enterprise was on its five-year mission. Missing the war took a toll on my crew. We're tripping out. High emotions. 
unique. It makes you human. I'd like to request a formal leave of absence. I found an on Ariana. that they'll be rescued from the Gorm. I said no. Would it make a difference? I'm resigning my commission. I'm an Illyrian. Okay. You hear that woman say, I'm resigning my commission. I'm an yeah. Illyrian. Well... The Meyer information talks about not the Illyrians, but the Lyrians, and it's a long story, and we could probably talk the rest of the whole episode on the Lyrians. Anyway, what they say, the Meyer information says that the people on the Earth have a forefather that's the same as the Playaren, which are the people that Billy is in contact with are called the Playaren, People often call them the Pleiadians. They're not really the Pleiadians. They're from a star system some 80 light years beyond the Pleiades in a different space-time configuration. And uh, Billy's first contact from the Playaren was a, a man named Thoth, nearly a 1,000 years old. But the, one of the things that the Playaren teach us in these contact reports is that the people of the Earth have a common ancestor with the Playaren people, and it's these Lyrians. And um, the reason she's resigning her commission is because she is guilty of genetic modification. And that's one thing that the Lyrians did, and uh, they had all kinds of advantages from it, and they had all kinds of problems from it. But I don't know, somehow this Star Trek may have picked up something here. I'm just kind of interested by this whole thing. So let me play a little bit more here, and then we'll look at some contact reports and stuff. Okay. What do we do when Starfleet finds out? You let me worry about Starfleet? What the hell is going on? I'm arresting Commander Unich and Riley for violations of our anti-genetic modification directive. I really am sorry. So am I. This is over. Okay, they're showing this giant ship as it comes in. And we're going to talk about the, the giant ships that the Plowern have in, in a little bit. Okay, right now, they're, they're flying these much smaller ships over this gigantic other ship, let's call it a mothership, and off in the distance is Jupiter. And we're gonna, I'm going to show you some pictures of Jupiter and one of these Playar and motherships in a, in a second, so let me continue. Captain's log, Stardate 2369.2. Enterprise is in space dock at Starbase 1. The crew is taking some well-deserved leave, while Chief Fleet Inspector Commander Pelia and her team from Operational Support Services are running comprehensive inspections, systems checks, and upgrades. I've had my hands full on Enterprise getting everything ready. But even from afar, 
I sense a tension here among the brass that I can't pin down. The feeling that something is in the air. But right now, I have a crisis closer to home to deal with. Okay, that's probably a good place. We can just take a little break from that. And I'm going to... Um, let me send this contact report to you. Although you can probably see it on my screen, right? I don't can have you your screen. screen. You don't have my screen right now? Okay, no, Mark well, has me... Oh, that's right. You cannot see the screen at all. Well, let me send you no. something in the chat. Do you... Do you um, I'm, I'm, you know how to get to the chat screen? There's a little chat icon yeah, no, right I'm, there. Can you... Yeah, I have the chat icon. Okay, I'm going to send you a link. And does that look in the chat? Can you see that link? I don't see you in the chat. Uh, I just, if you click that chat icon, can you see the chat icon? I don't have the same chat you do. Wait a minute. Oh. Uh, I'm oh, on Blog don't. Talk. Okay, so, so I'm not on. I'm not. I'm not on so Skype with you guys. Eddie, Eddie would be able to see that, but you can't. Yeah. Okay, I'm just finding out what my limitations are here. Okay. <laughs> got it. Got I, I want to ask. Wait. Uh, before. Before you go forward a little bit, are you aware of the scientific study that was done on human DNA and they came up with every so many hundreds of thousands of years it mutated and they chased it back to where it was its original and when it was the original DNA for humanity, ended up, um, it's, it's older than the earth is? Of course. Yes, that's fascinating. Thanks for sharing that, yeah. Uh, the Meyer information, yeah, you know, everyone thinks of, of human beings as starting on the Earth, but they didn't start on the Earth. They started in, in the Lyra Vega systems, uh-huh. and that was millions of years ago, uh, you know, many, many millions of years ago, so... It's a very good point you bring up. Um, So what I'm looking at here is Contact Report 31. And Contact Report 31 occurred in uh, Thursday 17th, the 17th of July, 1975. Uh And uh, typically what, what would happen is Billy would get a um, telepathic message. He would be at his home in uh, Schnitbrüde, Switzerland. He would get a telepathic message, and this was again back in the 1970s. Uh, from she would get, he would get a telepathic message from a woman named Sandyase, who would land her ship somewhere close to Billy's house, in three or four miles or something. And then Billy would get on his little moped and drive out to wherever he needed to go this time. And then he would stop maybe a half a mile or a quarter of a mile from the ship and wait for her to come out because he couldn't get too close to the ship while it was still running. It's really unhealthy if you do. 
Um, and she would come out and they would, you know, they both walk towards each other and meet, usually under a tree. And then she would have typically something that they would discuss. And I think Billy's got a thousand or so of these contacts now. And now what I'm looking at on my screen is called the future of mankind.co.uk. And it's this guy named James Moore who in he's in England, United Kingdom, and he's put together this wiki and it contains mostly the contact reports, uh, but some other information as well. So um, the contact report that we're looking at is um, contact report 31. This is Billy's 31st um, contact with Senyase. And this was a really interesting contact because the first thing they did is they, they flew around a while in our solar system. They went to um, Mercury, they went to Venus, uh, they went to the moon, they observed a Russian capsule that was um, orbiting the Earth, and um, she couldn't tell them too much about what was going on in Venus. There is some life on Venus, but it's not human, and it's it's kind of different. And there were, for some reason or another, she couldn't talk about that too much. She also limited what she said about Mars. <clears throat> but the interesting thing, from the perspective of our little discussion here, uh, I think is that they when they went out to Jupiter they saw the, the play, play our mothership, which they, they knew it was going to be there. And she, she flew her little uh, beam ship. I say little, it's probably 30 foot in diameter. Uh, she flew her beam ship into this giant mothership and parked it. And then the first thing they got on some other transportation that would take them around inside this huge mothership. And this thing is, it's taller, it's, I forget the exact dimensions, maybe I'll stumble over it. It's taller than Mount Everest. It uh, has about 141,000 people in it. And it, um, it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal thing. So they were, they they parked her ship and then they got on this other like platform for lack of a better word and they they she she took him around internally within the ship to kind of you know show him what it was like and one one place they stopped at was a giant forest in this spaceship which i always thought was fascinating trees and plants and it went on for miles because the scope of this thing, I mean, the size of it is just incredible. So, and, and finally, um, Semyase and, and Billy start talking. So, what I'm going to do, I think, is read uh, some of this to you here. Okay. And this is Semyase. Semyase. So, uh, she's 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 she looks about in her 30s, but she's actually like, I don't know, 400 years old or something like that. 
they they live about a thousand years. But anyway, Semyase said, it is about time that we move towards our meeting with the great spacer. Without another word, she sets the beam ship in motion again, and already a few minutes later, the Earth Earth has shrunk to the size of a large light object shimmering bluish through space. Having already observed this several times before, it doesn't interest me particularly. And so I turn to Sanyase, who sits in her oddly shaped comfortable chair and directs the beam ship through the darkness of space in which thousands of millions of different glittering stars of many sizes twinkle a thousand times clearer and more distinctly than they can be seen from Earth. A truly fantastic image that I will never forget. This is heaven as it lives and breathes among the large and small stars. Innumerable groups of stars can be recognized. Star clusters, spiral nebula, the gigantic band of the Milky Way, is immeasurable. It's immeasurable beauty and size and a thousand other things. Everything is simply fantastic. And only now do I have an idea of the immense size and magnificence of the universe. On the first flight and also for the previous hours, I had not observed it well enough because I was caught and dominated by many other things. But now I look at everything in in peace and with clear eyes and I cannot describe the infinite vastness and size and the splendor and the beauty of the universe that stretches out before me the words fail me it can only be seen and understood and I suddenly feel free and light and elevated above the struggle of everyday life on earth where I always feel so strange and out of place. Here that feeling is simply gone, and everything is different in me. I feel really good and at home there. I don't know why, but it really is so. I am detached from my earthly concerns and worries and problems. And by the way, this is Billy speaking. I thought it was Semyase, but it's it's Billy. And it says, I feel free. Semyase interrupts my thoughts and considerations. I'm sorry, did you say something? No, I just agreed with you. Oh, okay. (laughs) I wasn't sure about that. So what I'm looking now in this contact report is a black and white photo of Jupiter. The eye, you know, the storm of Jupiter. And I'm seeing that. And then I'm seeing this gigantic ship. Um, But it's at some distance away, so... I assume that's when uh, they were approaching the ship. So if you don't have any questions or comments, I'm going to continue if that's okay. No, keep going. Okay. Samyasa says, you are moving towards solving your puzzle much faster than I expected. I I have overheard your personal thoughts since they have been set out so strongly. You are very quickly beginning to understand, and that is good. Now look to the front. There is our great spacer, which will take us aboard. 
At a distance difficult for me to estimate, a huge metal sphere is hanging in the darkness of space, reflecting only weakly the light of the sun. Very slowly now, the speed of the beam ship decreases. Semyase is sitting very attentively before her instrument panel, steering knowingly and carefully in the direction of the huge sphere, which looks to me like a small planet. I can see way down in the lower third, a little bit to the left, a big gap is opening laterally, which I soon recognize as an entrance hatch. It's doubtlessly a hangar into which we're now slowly flying. Innumerable beam ships of the same type as ours are standing there in orderly rows by rank and file, and only a 100 by 100 meter square of the hangar entrance is cleared. I look back at the hangar entrance, and I can now see a wall is moving from bottom to top and closing the entrance. Everything all around is now brightly illuminated. And the light, which is light blue, seems to come directly from the walls. The whole hangar is huge, and this spherical ship by these interior spaces has to be gigantic. I ask Semyase for the uh, the measurements. So Billy asks, how big is the spaceship, Semyase? And Semyase says, it is big. It is even very big, and it's the largest of the time, of the type. It is truly a very special ship which embodies all the technologies known to us. Altogether, it is its own perfect world, a world that's able to fly. In itself, it contains a complete inhabited city with 141,000 inhabitants. So maybe I'll stop there. The only other thing in this particular context, I mean, it's got all kinds of fascinating stuff that goes on for pages and pages. But if I can find, they they end up traveling through the universe in the ship, and he they jump from star to star. They call it transmitting. And um, you know, our physicists say you can't go faster than the speed of light. Um, but I think, I think that's only true if, you're, if you have mass. And I think what yeah. they're doing here is switching the ship and the inhabitants into an energetic state and just transmitting them across the universe. My take on it. Okay, Billy well, is right here. Perfect says, sense. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So there's, there's a lot going on that we're not aware of. Billy says, man, oh, man, then during the short time we travel with his vehicle. So they're saying that the, the ship is taller than the highest mountain on Earth, higher than Mount Everest. And then they have, have a discussion because when the and measure the height of a mountain, they measure from the center of the planet to the top of the mountain. So if you do that on Earth, yeah, if you do that on Earth, then Everest is not the highest mountain, but it's one of the Andes. 
And I think it might be called Mount Chimborazo. Is that what it is? I'm not seeing it right here. But I think that's what it is. Don't quote me on that. But it's something, it's a, it's a mountain in the Andes. And um, Billy gets to meet Semyasa's father, who is the, he is Tata, who is the, the guy that's the captain of this ship. And they have this very interesting conversation, Billy and, and Semyasa and Tata. And they, then they show a drawing of Tata, which is not a great drawing, but it's not too bad. You can definitely... <laughs> Get an idea of what he looks like, yeah. Um, so I'm just kind of scanning through this. It's it's it's, it's well, a huge you know, topic. With, with all of this information and all of this technology, do they have something like Star Trek had with a non-intervention, whatever? I mean, because clearly they are yeah. so far above and beyond us, you know, to, well, to watch it's us. it's a very good question. And not, very, yeah. yeah. You started with very, Star Trek, very, so yeah. Very, very good question. Um, and we're going to cover this probably in the next, the next one we we look at here. Um, they 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 have something called this. This you have to understand a little bit about how they say that our minds work. They say that our minds. First of all, they talk about the power of our, the might of our thoughts. I don't know if you remember me talking about the book. Mark Derrigadankin, The Might of Thoughts, one of Billy's books. Yes. Um, but he talks also about something called a swinging wave. So when you think about something, there's another thing produced, which is called, this, they call it the swinging wave, which is kind of an electromagnetic wave. And it can be very, very powerful if the thought is also extremely powerful. So um, this other extraterrestrial group that we're going to talk about, um, they look, they, whenever they visit a planet, they, they look for the person with the most powerful swinging wave. And they, they assume that that person is the head of the planet. Well, that kind of assumes that the smartest person is in charge, which isn't always the case, right? So, right. Uh, right, right. So I kind of got off on a tangent there. But, um, yes, um, so the swinging wave of the Playaren, if you or I would come, if we would be influenced by that swinging wave, they have a way to kind of hold it back, so to speak, Um but if they didn't do that, and they, like if I came in contact with Semyase and she wasn't mentally restraining herself, um, I would be like a puppy dog. I would, you know, forget everything, stop everything I was doing, and just follow her around. You know, it would completely be like, you know, I just my volition is gone almost. So, anyway, um, let's continue here just for a few minutes, and then we'll move on. I'm just scanning through it, and it's just so, so huge. But there was, uh, I'm going to try a little bit longer to find one of these passages where they're jumping from star system to star system. 
Uh, okay, maybe this is it. Okay, yeah, this I thought was kind of interesting. Okay, so. Okay, we, okay, let me read a little bit. I hate to read so much, but I'm going to. Uh, Billy says, yes, that is right. We were talking about time travel and related things and about this great spacer too. I would like to ask you whether I might be right about the following assumptions. Tamyase has given me an explanation about the utilization of hyperspace, as you've already mentioned. As I know, as I now conceive the matter, this utilization of hyperspace, this phenomenon that I have experienced earlier, consists of real-time travel, offering all the possibilities of past, present, and future, as well as dimension and spaces. Tamyase had explained that a hyperleap through endless distances only takes a split second to happen. But unfortunately, I only noticed that correctly just now. Therefore, in my estimation, it does not consist of a simple hyperspace crossing, but of time travel through which space and time become paralyzed. Something that would certainly not happen on a normal hyperleap. For me, this results in the moment of the simultaneous point of view in simultaneous time. Space and time are thus paralyzed, taken in the literal real sense. This is, they become pushed together. If I can put it like that, whereby an absolute timelessness arises and also a spacelessness, that time and spacelessness can then get traversed with immeasurable speed in a split second without any shifts or distortions. And Semyasi uses the the hyperspace with her small beam ship. It must only consist in the same principle. By that manner of using the hyperspace, it must also be possible to do a time travel, also in time that stands still, through which one appears at the targeted location right in the same second as when one disappears from the starting point. So they jump from one position in space to another, and there's no time passes. They just go from one place, poof, and they're in the next. So anyway, I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> if that's possible, <laughs> they have the technology to do it. But it would seem to me that we also, spiritually speaking, have the ability to do it. Well, not it could be in the future. A, well, I, I, you know, there's a difference between the mind and thinking and the spirit and being. So that mm-hmm. the mind may not be able to, but the spirit may because the spirit is etheric and has no physicality. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Very interesting. I'm going to read this one little section, then I'll stop here. Okay. Sorry I'm reading some. Once more, the preparations for Hyperleap are taken, and this time I will attempt to observe things other than just the overhead view. I watched some yesterday. 
Keep the towel very carefully. And like the starscape before, they suddenly turn into a milky, shimmering mass. But the horseshoe-shaped console also turns into the same white mass. And like Patal and Sanyase, it also returns to a solid form in a few seconds. The impression of deep tranquility that has come over me this time is much greater than before. So each time they jump like this, it gets this tremendous sense of deep tranquility. And I think that I have now solved the riddle. The deep tranquility and the unbelievable peacefulness flowing through me is eternity itself. The absolute timelessness, which obviously is no longer subject to outside influences, such as the restlessness, strife, and worries that trouble the conscience. I realized suddenly that during these few seconds, I was in eternity itself, myself as eternity, where I only exist as fine spiritual matter, which is kind of what you were just saying. And I completely, I am completely free of all that can influence my material life. I actually travel to eternity for a few seconds. So he goes on and on. I mean, he talks about each one of these hyperly leaps they go a little longer and he feels this even a deeper tranquility and this goes on and on and uh, eventually he's uh, in this hyperspace for seven minutes and uh, he really it's just so pleasurable to him he doesn't want to come back he really just doesn't want to come back to the physical because it just feels so tremendous but anyway, uh, that's Contact Report 31, uh, occurred in 1977 uh, with Semyon So The next one that we can, next one that we can talk about are the Seigner, which you were asking about um, before. And this, this one occurred on 1977 uh, on Thursday, and and we were talking about thoughts, right? Uh-huh. And we were talking about uh, how the play iron would influence us just by the thoughts. Um, so let me read this. This is Semyasi. Semyasi says, there is a very precise explanation for this. The Seigner... C-Y-G-N-E-R, represent a human race whose senses are highly sensitized to swinging waves from outside their own bodies, but only in planetary or ship internal regions. Thus, they are able to receive and analyze swinging waves of all time. And herein lies the answer to the question. The Seigner have a form of government on their home worlds, which your Earth humans designate as herd instinct, but which is nevertheless lived by the strongest of the herd. So this order is a resemblance of herd order in animals, the strongest of which exercises the position of the leading animal. Since the Seigner 
have held this form of government since time immemorial. They charged it in the course of the last millennia, only to the extent that they replaced the strongest of their kind with the most knowledgeable in spiritual matters. Thus, was also the one who emits the highest swinging waves, which is synonymous with the most powerful swinging waves. Thus, it is only natural that on foreign worlds, when they visit such worlds, intentionally or unintentionally, the Sagner search for their kind and their form of government, also for the highest spirit knowledge-based swinging waves of this world, and indeed turn it over when they need it. So what had happened is four of, the sh- four of these ships from the Sagner landed on Earth, and they, they cloaked their ships, and they, they had some kind of problem. They, were, they, they lost contact with their home world, which is some incredible distance away. So they kept searching the Earth, trying to find the human being with the strongest thoughts, the strongest swing wave, and they kept contacting Billy. And Billy would keep telling them, look, I'm just a simple farmer in Switzerland. I'm a night watchman. You know, I have no uh-huh. technology to help you. I have no political power. You know, there's really no way I can help you. So, but they, for some reason, kept contacting him. Um, so anyway, I thought this was very fascinating as well. I'm not sure exactly what, I don't remember exactly what it, what all happened whether these people ever got off Earth or not. I assume they did. Um, one interesting thing is they, the Sagner had, we all have two forms of telepathy, they say. And one form of telepathy is called um, primary telepathy, and it's limited in the distance. It still goes pretty far. I forget exactly how far it goes, but... Primary telepathy is like what you typically learn first. And then the second form of telepathy is spiritual telepathy, which I believe has no um, distance limitation. And I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. There there have been studies shown that there was a a race... um, Somewhere in, in Ireland, I think, where um, where there was no religion, there was there was a group consciousness, and if somebody if somebody did something that would hurt another person, there was no judgment as much as there was they would put them in the center of the circle, and the whole town or or village would surround the person and tell them how much they loved them and how much the behavior had hurt them. And they kept going until the person realized the, 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 you know, the, the error of his ways, his or her ways, and came back into um, cohesiveness with the whole group. Does, um, does that group, did you say it was Scotland? Scotland, Scotland or Ireland? Ireland? Yeah, it's it's over in, in the Great Britain area. Yeah, in in the Scarborough area. Still, are they they still there? No, they're they're they're, they're long no. gone. 
So this was like something from hundreds of years ago? Thousands probably, yeah. Oh, oh isn't that long? Wow. Yeah. That's very, very interesting. You know, I it's, think it's a lot sort of, of people don't realize the damage they can do to others. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and I, I think what I loved about it was that it, there was no religion. There was just a oneness. And when someone strayed outside of that oneness, it hurt everybody. So they got together and with love brought them back into the fold. Well, what I like about it, it it wasn't a religion. It was it was a way of life, and it was the group thought, the group um, consciousness, and and it 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 kept everyone um, working for for everyone else. So so that it was a a wonderful way of living, actually, and. and, you know, my thought on religion is that religions are great until they become corporations and then forget it. So in this mm-hmm. way, there was there was no religion. It was a way of life, which seems to be a better way to work for me. You know, there's a really interesting verse uh, from the Bible in Romans chapter 12, verse uh, 9, I believe it is. It says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. And uh-huh. the what strikes me there is we're commanded to hate what is evil. But we always hear about um, people talk about hate speech. Oh, hate speech. You're, you you have hate speech. You're a terrible person. You know. But the fact is uh, we're commanded to hate what is evil. And just think about well, all the toleration of evil that we put up with and the damage it's yeah. doing right now. Actually, you know, we're taught to hate. We come in mm-hmm. full of love, but we are taught to hate. And um, I think we should stop teaching it because we've done too good a job. There's too much of it around. You think so? I think so, Yeah. <laughs> I do, I do. Interesting. The verse says here, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourself. Uh, I like that verse. I just think it's great. That's a great verse. Um, Yeah, it is. Not one that is preached a lot, but it's a great verse. (laughs) I think think that, that, that... that humanity as a whole has strayed and I would like to see it pulled back together as one family. I, I, I believe that at some point in time humanity will be linked, will, will, will kind of blend together yet again. I, I don't know if it's going to happen when the uh, earth crust shifts again and we all come together as one, as one continent and therefore we are one people again, or, or what? But, but I do believe humanity was created as a family and, and will eventually reunite as a family. We may be millions of years, you know, behind that, but, but I, I do believe mm. that there is a... I do believe we will, we will eventually move to that again at some point in time. 
Not this possibly. year. Not this year. Not not, not tomorrow, no. but very very yeah. possible. You know, what are so your thoughts? Possib- well, you know, so Go long ahead. as that possibility exists, there's hope. Mhm. Do you and, think? And, and I, what do you see? Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. What? No, your turn. No, no. <laughs> Uh, that's all right. I, I interrupted you. I think you should go. Well, you know, as far as the future goes, I think that we are at a very low time. I think that we have there's a there's a term that I have that I use frequently, and I don't know if it's mine. But I, if I didn't create it, then I don't know who did. But it's if you slumber, they will plunder, and humanity as a whole has been slumbering for a very long time. Yeah, I'm, and, I think and you're so, right. so, so there is a lot that needs to be addressed and looked at as far as kindness to each other, and and not only that, but you know, working, I, stop working on creating um, weapons of mass destruction and start caring for humanity, because. The, the amount of time and effort that has been put into destruction is just frightening. And and when of, when people... Go ahead. I was just going to say, speaking of destruction, uh, finish your thought there, but I want to take us to the to the shot, the COVID shot. Since we're okay. kind of flowing. Going Go ahead, there, I, there, there is so much talk today all over the place of the population is too great. We have to decrease the population. We have to do something to, um, you know, literally um, cull the population. And that's not so. This, this planet could, could maintain its population if they work together. Um, it would certainly help. Well, yeah. But, but and... and and I, this is only my thought. I haven't read it anywhere and anywhere, and it's just my thought. But when I saw them starting with the 23andMe and the Ancestry.com gathering people's DNA, and it, it, it made me feel there's something wrong here. They're looking for some line of people, some DNA, whatever. And then when COVID came along, and the first thing they did was to swap cheeks to gather more DNA, um, I got a feeling that there is, there is a, an effort out there to identify certain kinds of DNA and to eliminate them or to protect them. I don't know which it is, but I do know they're looking for certain kinds of DNA, and that's just my thought. You know, um, when you were talking about overpopulation, the Meyer, the Meyer information as a whole really says we're, we're very, very overpopulated. Yeah. So I'll, st- I'll still steer clear of that issue. <laughs> uh, I, I, <laughs> you know, a lot of people have, people I respect very much have completely different uh, viewpoints um, 
I think I think the Meyer information has kind of pulled me towards um, the the fact that we might be overpopulated pretty well. But so I mean, you know, I'm I'm kind of strange in the fact that I can listen to two different sources of information and just try to get the best from both. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Rather yeah. than rather than just completely pushing something aside and not paying any attention to it. Because maybe it disagrees with one one area of you. You know what I mean? I, I don't mind sure. listening to someone who has a different point of view than me on something. Because I might learn something. Um, well, you but, know, I think um, that... Right. Uh, but, but Billy, when he, when he talks, when he brings material through, when, when he is used as a, as, a, as a transmitter, actually. Um, whatever comes through him has to come through his philosophy and his thoughts, too. So, so it's not always a, a pure representation, I would think, of what is was being fed to him. Um, the material is beautiful. I mean, a lot of his material is just, it's, it's magical. And... Mm-hmm. When you look at the planet and, and you know, the Georgia Stones, I mean, that was the big deal that the Georgia Stones talked about, getting the population down to a certain number. But but when you stop and think about it, if you get it down to a certain number, then it's easier to control. And oh, yeah. Are you, out, oh, yeah. are you out to control the population or are you out to give them a oh. better life? And my, my thought is that they are... You know, in oh, my control. in my belief system, they're looking for control. Yeah. Absolutely. I think the people in charge are very evil and very dark, and that's what they're trying to do. In fact, I think they're trying to kill off about ninety percent of us. You want to know the Fifty-one percent. Fifty-one percent. You think it's fifty-one percent? Yeah. Not not ninety. Ninety's too much. No. Ninety's too much. They have to have somebody to plant their crops and clean their houses. Isn't the aren't the robots gonna do that though? No? <laughs> I give you, you know if you get if you give too much power to the robots, they'll eventually have power over you. Yeah, that's kind of like the uh, artificial intelligence thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Have you heard of the spike protein? That's no. in the COVID shot. Okay. I'm going to play something to you. And uh, this is from Mike Adams. Uh, and he's a very knowledgeable guy. He's going to talk about the spike protein, which is it's the, the really dangerous thing inside the COVID shot. And it, it destroys your heart, your lungs, even your brain. And he'll... He might go go into it to a certain level, but I'd, I'd like to get your take on this. This is uh, Mike Adams. Have you ever heard of him? No. Yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah. Okay, you have. Okay, good. Here we go. Spike protein causes myocarditis, heart attacks, and strokes. Kills people. It causes infertility and effectively a slow depopulation through that method, or I don't know, rapid, however you wish to characterize it. But you can hear that, right? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to continue. If you got a question, just speak up and all. 
stop and we can okay. chat for a minute. Cognitive decline is something that is rapidly accelerating. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I'm seeing it everywhere. Me too. I'm seeing that people who took the vaccine, and especially those who continue to take the booster shots, are no longer able to cognitively function. They can't hold ideas in their mind. They can't complete tasks. They can't organize. They can't think. They can't plan. They are being made, you know, medically speaking, cognitively retarded because the spike protein damages neurology. And I don't mean that every single person who took the vaccine has become an idiot. What I mean is it's clear that those who took the mRNA injections, their bodies have been turned into spike protein factories. And so they're creating spike proteins, which are having a long-term effect circulating in their bodies on an ongoing basis, by the way. It's not clear when that ever ends. Any thoughts, comments? Well, I knew immediately that it was going to cause infertility. I mean, that's the first thing. That's the first thing I, I, when, you know, everybody was going on about booster, booster, booster and everything. It was like, I don't think so. I do know that (laughs) in in some populations, um, I got the one shot one and I don't think I got a shot. I think I got saline. Um, you probably did. I'm so glad you said that because I believe 85% of the people are just getting a saline solution that doesn't do anything. But it's the well, 15% I, it, that get the real shot, and they usually kill. Oh, Sorry, gee, well, when, when I got the shot, because I, I couldn't see my grandchildren unless I did, um, oh, I to said to that. my son, um, you know, did you see me get the shot? And he said, I saw it. I said, did you see the needle go into my arm? And he said, I did. I said, it's not red. It's not sore. I don't think I got a shot. And, you got, you, got you know, oh, I'm pretty sure. I'm so glad to hear that. I'm so glad well, that you. you did. <laughs> well, and, and so, you know, my son and his wife and my two grandchildren have had their, their, two shots and probably as many boosters as they're supposed to have. And now I haven't been Still no sick. Problem. Huh? Have they had any problem? Have they had any problems? No, but they keep getting COVID. <laughs> you know, it's like, again, you got it again. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like it, like it, the, the vaccine doesn't do anything. It doesn't help you. I mean, it's saline no. solution problem most of the time, unless they give them a real shot, and then it has these spike proteins in it, which damage the heart and the lungs and the brain. Just, I well, think it's depopulation. Yeah, I, I just didn't. I didn't. It, to, well, yeah, I think I think you're right. I, I think the the whole thing was meant to depopulate, and and you know. I, they, they say, you know, now you, there's so much out there, you, you never know what actually was in the shots. But, um, you know, just be braced for the next pandemic, you know, and I will, I will avoid those shots too. I just, you know, I'm, oh I'm going to be eight. 
I'm going to be 80 next year. I mean, you know, if I go, I go. But I'd rather, and I think I had COVID the December before so, it hit the U.S. So did you know about the whole thing with the saline solution and the real shot? Did you know anything about that? Because there are a group of people coming out of the U.K. that are, um, you know, the guys that work at the funeral homes and stuff? Um, they're the first group that brought this out, this information out, that about 85% of people are getting a saline solution. The 15% that get the real shot usually die pretty quick or they get horribly, horribly sick. Um, the guy, there was a guy that used to help me with my radio show, and he kind of became a good friend of mine. But I couldn't convince him not to take the shot. I just kept trying, but it didn't do any good. And he took the shot. Uh, a few days later, I get this message from him. He said, I'm as sick as a dog. I just feel terrible. And I told him, I'm sorry. I hope he feels better soon. And I got one more message from him. And it wasn't much of a message. And then I never heard from him again. So I soon wow. he's gone. Yeah, one of my cousins, she told me she took the shot. And you ever get a feeling when you just knew that this person was going to die? That's, I, when yeah. she told me that, I just, I felt terrible. I felt really terrible. And uh, she died about a couple months later. I mean, all at once, boom, myocarditis, fell over dead. You know, just incredible. Well, but anyway. I, 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 I took the one-shot one as opposed to the two-shot one. And mm -hmm. I swear to you, I did not get a shot. Um, you, you got water. You got water. You got saline solution. To me, that's a grace yeah. of God. That's what that is. Oh, yeah, I, I must have to be here. But, you know, and, and you know, I, I've never gotten flu shots because the one time I did, I got the flu. So... Um, <laughs> You know, no, thank you. And, and the last time I said, well, when my son went for his last booster, he got the booster for the COVID, and he got it in the other arm. He got his flu vaccine, and I said, are you crazy? And he oh, couldn't figure God. out why he didn't feel good, you know. But he's fine, <laughs> you know. And he's, but he's but I okay. I do I I knew immediately that it was creating infertility. I knew that immediately. Um, Did you know that intuitively? Yeah, intuitively. Um, okay. And and you know I and and I kept saying to people, you know, be careful. You know, this is you don't know. There's not been research. There's not been, and even if there was research, you wouldn't hear what the real truth was. That's my problem. Oh, I... You don't know where the truth is anymore. Well, I think Mike Adams is telling us the truth here. Can we listen to more to more Mike? Sure. Mike Adams. Because, you know, the mRNA takeover of the cells to produce these spike proteins and to introduce them into the blood, this is the design of the mRNA injections. And so spike proteins are being produced, and they're circulating in these people's bodies, and they are being pumped into their brains through the blood supply. And it's affecting their neurology. So much so that I'm beginning to wonder if 
human civilization is sustainable at this point because we're seeing the breakdown of a level well look you have to have people who can think in order to have a sustainable civilization right you've got to have policies that make sense you have to have economics functioning you have to have people who understand risk who understand numbers and accounting you have to have people who understand logistics and transportation and supply chains and farming and food production and all these things have to work and all these things are breaking down and if you trace the breakdowns it's easy to blame it on covid oh the lockdowns and the supply chain problems but actually that that's over so what accounts for the breakdowns now i believe a large portion of the breakdowns right now are due to cognitive retardation caused by spike protein exposure cognitive retardation due to spike protein exposure um, well it's, what I, it's not go ahead. it's not only that mark but we aren't teaching our children anything anymore schools oh, are, no. are not teaching anything they aren't teaching critical thinking they aren't teaching analyzation they aren't teaching they aren't teaching cursive for heaven's sakes they aren't you know the <clears throat> the children today are are being dumbed down to the point where you know they'll be able to, to to use a cell phone and maybe a computer but there's no original thought anymore um the magic of the young brain is gone and now i taught school for 25 years i taught i, I taught uh, mentally retarded children and you know you see it today in 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 kids that are in regular classes they really have no First of all, they have no imaginations. There's no creativity, and there's no cognitive thought. Their 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 ability to to work something out intelligently is not there. If you've ever seen that video on YouTube, someplace where they took teenagers and they put a dial phone down in front of them and told them to make a call, watching them try oh, to figure out. Really? Have you wow. have you never seen that? I've never seen that. That's hilarious. That's unbelievable. I mean, Amazing. they they don't really, the, you know, they figure that the dial maybe so they would dial the number and then pick up the receiver, and they had no idea how to do it. Wow. Now, that's frightening. You know, I, I experienced something that may not shock you as much as it shocks me, but uh, my house here... Um, it's kind of on two levels, and my 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 garage is separated from my house, and uh, I live up on top of a hill. So when someone delivers something, they come up the gravel driveway, and then um, what they should do is turn right, and then just deliver to the front door. But I'm finding most of these drivers anymore cannot figure out where the front of the house is. You know, the, the front of a house, the front door, usually always faces the road, right? I mean, I mean it's uh-huh. a no-brainer. But they, they pull behind the house, they put the package in my uh, garage, or they put the package on my desk, or I mean on my uh, deck, or they put the package at my back door. And I have to, I have to go up and try to explain to these people. Now, I, you know, 
I really would rather you not pull up and, and turn around in the back. I got cats back here. Sometimes my dogs are out running around too. So it's kind of dangerous. And I say, do you know where the front door is? And they say, no. And then I have to explain to them where the front door is. So anyway, I'm just seeing something that it's, it's beyond belief. Uh, oh, to yeah. me, it's just unbelievable. <laughs> I can't believe what I'm seeing. It's unbelievable. Anyway. Well, I, that the I fact should. that you know, you know, I, you know, I basically interview authors on the show. Yeah. And 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 of late, it's hard for me to find an intelligent author. Are you now, sure? Now it's not impossible. Oh, um, Mark had Mark had an author on Mark Eddy had an author on his show, and he had mm-hmm. read her book. And he was mm-hmm. talking to her, and he asked her about something in the book. And she said, I don't want to talk about that. And he asked her something else. And she, she, didn't, want to, she didn't know what he was talking about. And I was sitting here thinking, did she write the book? And she didn't know. Um... Was, she didn't. She, she, in her book, she had written about a past life. Mark asked her about it. She didn't know what he was talking about. You're kidding. Um, no, it was, it was, you know, we have those moments that, that at some point I'm going to write a book of, you know, what amateur radio really is. I mean, we, we had somebody with a nervous breakdown once that was hysterical. Um, I, I, it wasn't for her probably, but, but she kept talking and he couldn't get a word in edgewise. And I'm sitting at the switchboard knowing Mark's, Joys on the desk and not being able to break in to stop her train of thought, which was horrible. So, yeah. Oh, was it? We've had. Was huh? she like having a little break? Was she having like a breakdown right there on the radio? Right there on the like radio, she... talking about what oh. her father did oh. to her and how he stole from her and how he did this for her and how he did that to her and how it's you know on and on and on and on and on and. And she and her husband ran a museum of some sort, and he was trying to talk to her about the museum. But uh-uh, we went right for the jugular here. So wow. Needless wow. to say, our interview was was cut to forty-five minutes. But yeah, but yeah. it was. But you know, you 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 begin to realize how how where somebody may have written a book, they may not be able to speak about it. Um, I had I had one author that the only thing he said to me was uh huh for two hours and well you couldn't you know, get any like, information you not, couldn't get any thing. information wow not, not, no matter what I, you did I found I I I had to ask my questions by giving the answers and asking if that was correct uh huh <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's, that's sad. Wow. Oh, yeah, it yeah, is. You know, I, it is. I used to do that. That's exactly what I used to do is I, uh, I used to order a book, read the book, you know, highlight some places in it that I wanted to ask the author about and then have them yeah. on the show. And that's, that's really a good way to, to do things, I think. But it sounds like it's falling apart a little bit right now. Is that true? Well, no, no now, now I, <clears throat> I read the book. But I also insist mm-hmm. on speaking with the author um, bef- a day Beforehand. or two before the show. And if the author can't oh. talk, 
if the author is, you know, is just incapable of of going off topic, which I always like to do, um, mm-hmm. then 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 I cancel the show. Wow! You know, See, you're like, screening them, which is good. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a good. I think Eddie's back. Yeah, he's back. Just so we're safe. If, if he if he gets kicked no, off, safe. he'll get back on. Okay. But I got you know, another. If, I got if, another clip. Go ahead. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm interrupting no, you too okay. much tonight. Um. Yeah. This next doctor, and um, this is Dr. Brian Artis, who is a, a very interesting doctor. Uh, he's a doctor of chiropractic, but he has studied this whole COVID shot thing, I think, as good as anybody. Um, so I'm going to play some of this. I'm not sure how good the sound quality is. We'll just see. But um, th- this is some stuff that will blow your mind, too. So. I'm, I'm, I'm here to blow your mind tonight, so anyway, okay. here we go. And the highest death toll in the Ebola trial killed 53% of all people they gave it to, the only drug to kill over 50% of all people. Dr. Anthony Fauci had actually uh, funded that entire study. Mm-hmm. He would have been notified by the Independent Safety Board a year be- prior to the May in which he told the whole world it's the only drug that can be used for hospitalized Americans. He would have been told a year prior that that drug was the most deadly toxic drug in that Ebola. What they're talking about is a drug called remdesivir. Have you heard of that yet? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, this is like one of the most toxic things. You know, people are usually dead in three days, but it's the recommended treatment for COVID. They, When they take you in, they're going to try to give you remdesivir. Don't let them give you remdesivir no matter what because it'll destroy your kidneys and usually it kills people in about three days. So anyway, and I'm sorry for that clicking sound in the background. It's because I was being idiotic while this, while I was recording this and I was playing chess against the computer. That's why you're hearing a little <laughs> clicking in the background. I really apologize. I didn't know that was gonna happen. The trial and three other drugs performed better than it did. And that remdesivir drug was suspended from the trial, but that is not what he told you. That is not what he published all the hospitals and all the medical staffs all around the country and around the world. He said it was proven safe and effective against the Ebola trial. No, it wasn't. It was flat out determined to be the most toxic and deadly drug. And it was a great, it has been a great opportunity for myself to have people from around the world nonstop contact me, come up to me, say, I'm only alive because of you. I've I've had Hall of Fame NFL players walk up to me when they would see me in airports or at conventions. They, they walked up to me and said, my 87-year-old father would not be alive if it wasn't for you. I took wow. your information, articulated it back to the doctors, and got him released using the advice about using an against medical advice, leaving against a medical advice. And then how many people walk up to me and say, pull out of their purses, pull out of their uh, bags that they carry with them everywhere they go, a... Uh, a medical directive to decisions form, which is what I supply to the whole world, which tells you, and you sign it, you have it notarized, and you give it to all hospitals if you ever have to go, of what you do consent to and do not consent to and sign off on. It's a legal document. And that was something I created to try to protect as many people as possible from being killed by this damn drug. Mm -hmm. And uh, it has been very rewarding to have people around the world tell you that you saved their lives. But I'll tell you, it's kind of a, 
it's kind of a two-edged sword. I would have never spoken out if I, if my own personal loved one that I admired and adored, my father-in-law, wasn't murdered in front of me and my wife and her family in February of 2020. So it's great to have people tell me that I was a um, an instrument in helping to preserve their lives or their loved one's life. And at the same time, though, it really sucks that I couldn't do it for my own family. But it was a God thing, I believe, that he allowed me to witness that in a hospital setting and watch the medical industry completely manipulate and lie to my family and then use force through security escorts to kick me out of the hospital physically so they could continue continue their manipulation lies of my family. And uh, they also came to those, unfortunately, and uh, he died three days later after I was kicked out of the hospital. So it is very rewarding to have people tell me that uh, the information we've been able to share has improved their lives or saved their lives. And, uh, yeah, it's a God thing. I very much appreciate it. It's very helpful to me because at times it's very lonely mm-hmm. to feel like you're on an island. You know, the one that knows stuff, have discovered stuff, and you want to make sure as many people as possible can see it, read it, understand it, and then take action from that information. So it's been very, it's been a big blessing, I think, to many. Thank God. Definitely, no doubt about it. I know that as people are listening here, they may be thinking, Dr. Artis, I didn't know about this form. How do I get the form and get it notarized? Where do they find that form? Yeah, so there's three forms. I actually had a, an attorney, Kelly Sorrell, in Fort Worth create for me and for our audiences. Uh, it was amazing. People from all over the world have downloaded this stuff. So there's three forms underneath the resources tab at the Dr. Artis Show. Okay. Three forms that you download. One's called the Advanced Medical Directive for Physicians, Doctors, and Hospitals. And then a medical power of attorney form. Both of those, when you download those, uh, they're, they're free. Just download the PDF and print it. When you print them out, you're going to check off an initial what you do consent to, do not consent to, and then you're going to take it to your bank or a notary and have them notarize that document. And that document then becomes a legal document. You want to keep it in your cars or a copy in your home because if you ever need an ambulance, you're going to want to get it. Yes. And uh, so anyway, it's been very, very gratifying to know that so many people have gotten it. And then I just saw on the page, too, there's the Great Care link. You see that right there? It's under the yep. resources tab also. Uh, it's been an incredible thing to watch that out of the birth of just trying to warn people from my dining room table uh, in the media in May of 2020, that there were groups of nurses who reached out to me saying, we want to create advocacy teams. Can we help you keep people safe in hospitals? And that those two groups merged into one. It's called GraceCare.com. Priscilla Romans is the CEO of that company. They have 30 advocates now that are wow. serving people in Canada, all 50 states of America, Australia, New Zealand, and Europe. And uh, they are actually protecting those individuals in hospitals nonstop, even to this day. And, yes, they're still using remdesivir around the world and in America. Oh, yeah. Do you know that they stopped calling it remdesivir in hospitals everywhere in America? Really? They're, they have been told, do not call the drug remdesivir. You call it Veclery. Do not bring up the word remdesivir because so many people, when they would say, what drug are you going to give me for COVID? They'd say remdesivir and they'd go, no, we're not taking that drug. I mean, it's been amazing how far this has gone to prevent so much harm and injury. But uh, that was being voiced by people in every country and in every state. And then the hospital administrators started training all their staff, everybody. Do not call it remdesivir anymore. Call it Veclery. And Veclery is the brand name of remdesivir. And I came up with a slogan early on in May of 2020. I was like, let's see if I can get people to remember how to say it. Because when they would try to repeat it back to me, the host, they couldn't say remdesivir. So I told them, just remember, it rhymes with run, death is near. And so that's what people were listening for. A word that sounds like run, death is near, 
Yep. Well, Vectory doesn't sound like that. So now nope. they've they've said make sure you only use the brand name. If you put up that word Vectory, just so you know, like he showed a second ago on the screen, if you transpose the word the letters L and K, you get a word Valkyrie. You know what yeah. Valkyrie is? Yeah. It's, it's, it's an old Nordic term. Yep. So Valkyrie actually means it's an old Nordic term. It means chooser of the slain is its definition. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> anyway, that's Dr. Artis. I really enjoyed listening to this guy. Uh, you might want to get him on your show sometime. Another good person that you might want to get is Dr. Lorraine Day, uh, if you're interested in this kind of stuff at all. Have yeah, you heard of You clear. have Lorraine Day? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of her, yeah. I listen to her her all the time. Um, And you had heard of remdesivir. Yes. Right? Yes, that's great. That's great. Yeah, I think they're truly trying to kill us off. (laughs) Well, you know, when you stop (laughs) to think of what, even before the pandemic, um, the Clintons were sending um, all sorts of um, vaccines over to um, India, and they were oh, all yeah. laced with HIV. I mean, this is nothing new. Oh, that's horrible, though. How do the Clintons get away with all this stuff? They do They're, everything, um, don't they? Yes, they do. <laughs> I mean, there's a terrible. different um, there's a different law book for them. There's a different, I, you know, the, those have that have that kind of money are able to do anything, in, including treason, and walk away. Um, is, Satan, is Satan at the top of the pyramid here? You know, I don't think so. You don't? I don't, no, I don't believe there is a Satan. I do believe not a Satan. there is yeah, I, I do believe that there are evil people in the world. I do believe there are people who may not even have a spirit within them, but who have a soul. Mm. And, and you know, you need both. And it's the spirit that goes lifetime to lifetime to lifetime. But if there's no spirit, if there's just a soul and there's a life force, then they can do great evil. And... and um, you know, not be held accountable at any place, point in time. And I think that's what's happening. I think that governments and principalities, and I think that, that again, that element of humanity not paying attention has allowed a lot of corruptible people into positions that, that will become corrupt. And they're being manipulated by, um, you know, there, there's a hierarchy. And, and it goes, you know, if you want to go way back to the Templars and then the Masons and then the Illuminati and the, and the family of 300 and, you know, on and on and on up the ladder, you eventually come to a group that, is, that are the ones that are pulling all the strings of all the politicians and stuff like that. Now, I don't know why. But I don't know where they figure they're going to go. But um, I, I don't think that, that 
that uh, I don't believe there is a, a Satan figure or an Antichrist figure. I do believe that, that humanity is going to have to either wake up or there will be a mass um, extermination thing with either a comet or nuclear holocaust or something, and we'll be sent back to, you know, a very lower level of civilization to grow again, and this time hopefully not um, not destroy ourselves. Let me read a little something from Revelation 19. I'd like to get your okay. take on it. But the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, who had performed miraculous signs on his behalf with these signs he left with these signs he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshiped the image the two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur um, pretty crazy stuff crazy stuff and understand wow. that it was written. It, it, it was written by. It was supposedly written by inspired men, who had not a great frame of reference, so that this is the story that they controlled people by. And I, I believe in. I believe that there there was a Jesus Christ. I believe that he 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 came here to teach and to share love and. He may even have been of a an otherworldly, interdimensional civilization, but but you know we have been given these limiting concepts that don't allow us to grow and expand, and and a lot of them are religious. I mean the Bible is beautiful. I love the Old Testament, um, and as far as the New Testament goes. Just read the stuff in red, and you're 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 golden. But but it's a book. It was written by a whole bunch of men who pulled all sorts of texts together because Constantine wanted a Bible, um, and and they declared some of these writings to be inspired. And you know my you know somebody who. It's a fundamental Christian said, you know, God wrote the Bible and he's not going to write any more books. And I said, do you mean to say that no one else is going to be inspired with, with, with spiritual wisdom? And he said, no, God wrote the Bible and that's it. So, so it, it, to me, it, it's limiting. It's constrictive. It gives you, it puts you in a cage. And it says, you do <laughs> this or you go to hell. Well... I I don't believe there's a hell. I believe we create our own hell here on Earth for sure. There are lots of people that are that are you know in terrible situations that wallow in it. Now that's hell. But um, you you may may like Dr. Lorraine Day. She agrees with you on that that there's no hell. Yeah. And, And she'll 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 even go into the verses in the Bible where she believes it's been mistranslated. Oh, absolutely. Probably even that section. Yeah. So you you might enjoy her. I have another um, clip I'd like to play for you. It's a, a Dr. Tom Cowan, and he's being interviewed by this guy named Scott Armstrong. 
And uh, Dr. Tom Callen is a, just a great guy to listen to. So uh, if you don't mind, I'll go ahead and play that. Sure. Uh, the real issue is they don't know the they, they don't know the facts. And so this is an it's an attempt to hide their own ignorance because if they knew the facts, they would realize how simple it all is. Uh, and so they either don't bother or they don't, for whatever reason, they don't know the facts. And that particularly goes for the medical doctors. They don't know. So they, I think out of their own shame, in a way, they cover up their ignorance. Yeah. And that's, and that's the way they do it. That makes sense. You know, that absolutely makes sense. Uh, you know, I mean, maybe there's they just no don't doubt know. that uh, the fact that there that viruses don't exist is the key to unraveling this, and it's the key to unraveling a lot of other things. Absolutely, and that's where I'm at with it. You know, I see the evils that have been per- perpetrated in the world due to the current medical paradigm, which is based on the fact that there are certain little particles that float through the air from one person to the next. It's like this invisible enemy that everybody needs to be afraid of. And then in order to prevent that, here's a pharmaceutical product that you can just take and then all your problems go away, you know? And it's almost like the Achilles heel. Like if we could really unpack and create, you know, just mass consciousness, mass adoption of the idea that, you know, actually, no, it is all about how you treat your body. It's all about the terrain and how, what you feed it and the exercise and the the sun and the grounding and all these things are so key and crucial for our health. Like, you know, I'm almost opinion too that people don't want that. They want the pill. They want the quick fix. And, and it's a lot to, to put back on the person that, um, you know, and actually, no, it's, it's up to each one of us as an individual to take care of our health. You know, that's, so there, there's paradigms that need to be changed all over the place. The big medical paradigm and the people's own relationship with their own health. You know, this isn't something that we can outsource to a corporation in order to make ourselves healthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's one way to look at it. I There's a few principles that I work on in conversations like this, which I think are actually not just helpful, but important to understand. And uh, I, I don't actually talk about what's called terrain theory very mm-hmm. much. And I don't ever talk about germ theory, really. Because, first of all, it's not a theory. It's a disproven hypothesis. Uh, But the the principles are, um, number one, you don't have to, in in a logical, rational, and scientific sense, if somebody is making a claim, you don't have to know, like, what could be true or an alternative explanation to dispute that claim. And let me give you an example of that. So I've looked into how clouds form and rain happens, and it's pretty complicated because the water is heavier than the air, and why doesn't it fall down? And, you know, it's really complicated how clouds form and rain happens. So if somebody comes along and says, I know how rain forms. It's because there's elephants floating in the sky about a mile high, and they're peeing down on the ground, and that's why there's rain. So I would say to them, uh, because I think this is the way to learn things, I would say, how high up are the elephants? A mile. 
what kind of elephants? Well, the regular gray elephants. Are there lots of them? Yeah, there's lots of them. So I would know all the details about their hypothesis that that's the case, right? Then I would go off with like an airplane and either I would see the elephants or not. Now, presumably, I would not see the elephants. And I would then have disproven that hypothesis. I still don't know why there's rain, uh, right? Because I just know it's not elephants. And that is where people, I think, should start with science and particularly viruses. They have a hypothesis that there is this particle called a virus that makes people sick. And I don't need to know why else people get sick. I don't know whether, I don't have to know whether it's exercise or smoking too much or anything. The claim is it's a virus. So what we need to do is examine that claim and find out whether it has any merit because I think in a half an hour or less, you'll know that it has no merit. There is no such particle. There's no more logic or science of that than, than the elephant theory. Um, so that, that's how I would go about doing it. Okay. Now, you, we uh, discussed before, and I've heard you talk on other shows, too, about how you have almost like a systematic approach to that, like a kind of a, a, right. a process by which we can uh, either as researchers ourselves or, in my case, like a podcaster, like let's say we're going to be walking through this with somebody who is on the fence or this is a new concept for them. Like what, what, would, what would that process – how would you want – how would you suggest introducing that topic, and what is the process you suggest? Right. So, the, so the, the, the other thing is the principle is in, in order to uh, know anything, you have to know the method by which it was found, right? So if you don't know the method, you, you're not part of the conversation. So with virology, it, there's five steps. And they, they have a sort of logical uh, sequence. And I think what I think is best is to go through them. So, so anyway, he's going to talk about isolating. And they can't really isolate these viruses. Like COVID has never really truly been isolated. So they can't even really truly believe or prove that COVID exists. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I just love that guy. Love listening to him, uh, Dr. Tom Cowan. Any any, any thoughts, comments? Still there? Yeah, I'm here. Good, 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 good. Uh, any comments, thoughts about that last clip? Besides, it was well, too long. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it takes me back to how I can remember when your family doctor would make a, ha- a home call. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you had to go into the office and you got whatever the drug companies gave him for free that he, he assigned to you. So so right. no matter what it was, um, I mean, my, my family doctor, <clears throat> I went in three months in a row with flu-like symptoms and he gave me all sorts of antibiotics, and I finally said to him, have you ever heard of menopause? And he Whoa. said, what? And I said, yeah, that's what I've got. 
so why the antibiotics? And, you know, he was shocked. And I went out into the, into the waiting room and I said, he's going to give you, and I named the antibiotic, I said, this is what he's gotten free from the drug people. And this, wow. you're all going to get it. And I said, frankly, I've had it for three months and it hasn't cured menopause at all. So um, I changed doctors. Uh, yeah, the, but, uh... but, but, you know, that's what's happening. And, and now where there used to be, you know, cute little private practices, now they're all part of a, of a hospital conglomerate. The hospital tells them what to do and how to do it. And so there's no point in having a family doctor anymore because you, you know, they're going to shove you off on a nurse practitioner. So, you know, the whole system is no longer um, taking care of people. And, the, you know, to do no harm is a farce. So, so, you know, better to find a witch doctor or a homeopathic healer or somebody that's going to see you rather than, you know, do a, do a face. Uh, a FaceTime thing on Skype, I mean, your doctor, I mean, how can the doctor listen to your heart, check your lungs, or any of that kind of stuff if it's just on the computer? There's no point. You know, I haven't been to the doctor in like 50, is that right? 50 years? Or I haven't been to the doctor in so long that I can't even tell you how long it's been. And so I haven't been on any medications for 45 or 50 years. And at the, at the job I got, they I remember I was in this one meeting, and they're like, well, you know, tell me what medications you are on. And I'm like, none? And they couldn't believe it. It's like they're just silent, just went through the room. I'm like, what's the big deal here, you know? So I don't take any yeah. medication. Why, why is that a big deal? I don't get it. <laughs> anyway. Well, they can. <clears throat> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's no longer the kind of profession that, that when I was a child, you know, the doctor would come to the house if you were sick. I mean, it makes wow. no sense to me to go and sit among tons of other people who are sick, sick and trade right. germs. That exactly. Makes sense. You're very wise. I love it. That's very wise. Um, health, to me, health uh, is turning into a tyranny. The whole doctor thing. Yeah. Like, uh, it is. And like, like, I don't go for a checkup either. I won't go for a checkup. I, I pay extra money uh, with, the, with my employer because I won't go for a checkup because they'll shoot me with something. They'll figure some way to... You know, I'm not changing anything. It seems to be working for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, yeah. No, I because I moved, I, I needed to have a GP. And I went in for the physical, right? I met the doctor. I asked him how old he was because I didn't want him retiring on me. And yeah. he listened to my heart, and he checked my lungs, and I and I requested he do a blood test. And that was it. And ever since then, once a year I go in, I see the nurse practitioner. How are you? I'm fine. I don't take anything. Aspirin, maybe. And, yeah. and that's it. That's it. I haven't seen him in three that's years. Crazy. So You know, it's amazing. You know, it's, 
Well, it, it is with all of the stuff that's going on around here. I mean, I have allergies up the wazoo, so I take something for the allergies. But, you know, aside from that, um, I, I, and I, there are people around me that have high blood pressure and heart conditions and all sorts of crap. So I'm, you know, looking for something to knock on because I've been very, very fortunate. But, um, you know, I... But, one thing I did is I became a vegan. Like, I'm just eating fruits and vegetables and grains and things like that. Uh-huh. Because, I mean, I don't like the idea of even killing animals for food because I like animals. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I love my kitty cats and my dogs. <laughs> so, why would I, remember I eat a cow? When you, I, I remember when you. Um, discovered you were a, a cat person. You had one in the garage, and you went into the garage, and poof, you became a cat person. There were, yeah, there were four. <laughs> there were four <laughs> plus the one, and then the papa was hanging around, too. So we got six out of the deal. Oh, and, uh, wow. They're great. They're great, yeah. They sleep in the garage. Now, I was having a hard time uh-huh. getting them in today. They you know, they seem like they don't want to go in when there's a storm. Isn't that weird? No, they want to be someplace weird. safe. Well, well, yeah, I want to put oh, them in the garage. I figure the garage is the safest spot. But they, uh, I got them in. That's all that matters. But it's always a a little bit of a. I've had like two months straight where I got them all to go in every single day, and they were doing so good. And then uh, a couple of days ago, poof, every, everything went haywire again. I'm not sure exactly why. I, I can tell you out. why. I can tell you why. why. Incredible why? sunspots um, are, are disturbing the atmosphere. Really? And Yeah, incredible sunspots. I did not know and that. And they, they've been hitting the earth for the last week and have another week to go. That's so interesting. Energetically, that will um, that will hit animals first, and and animals, of course, react to um, the human emotions, and that will set them off too. But over the last over the last week and for another week, huge sunstorms hitting the planet, and because we don't have the same kind of atmosphere we used to have, it's 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 hitting the planet. And it's hitting people's emotions and and definitely um, cats. Amazing. How many do you too. have? Do you I have just have two. Two. That's there, more reasonable. There was, there, there was a time <laughs> I had six. Oh, really? But um, there was a time, yep. Yeah. And, and they got... were all inside cats. Oh, that's too many inside. That's really hard. Mine, mine sleep. Mine sleep in the garage, and they uh, they run around, you know, all over outside. Uh, I, I keep them. The, the dogs are in, inside, so we keep the two populations a little separated. I tried mm-hmm. to integrate them for a while, but that didn't work out so well. So. Well, the thing is, with, with cats and dogs, cats rule. Every dog I ever had had a, had a scar on his nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got from, one right now. 
Yeah, I got yep. one right now that has a cut on his nose. <laughs> he put it someplace that shouldn't have been. I don't know exactly the whole story there, but yeah. He's a good dog. It's easier, well, it's easier to integrate a puppy into a cat house than a kitten into a dog house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is very, very true. This is very, very true. I have, um, thanks uh, for your comments. They've been really interesting, especially the sunspot thing. I didn't know about that. That's fascinating. Oh, yeah. There's a, there are a couple of websites out there. I, I don't have them at my fingertips that do talk about the mm. sun flares and, and when they occur and when they're going to hit the planet because um, on an emotional level, they, you know, they will, it's sort of like, the equinoxes and and the solstices and full moons, you know, all of those pull on you emotionally. But the sunspots mm-hmm. are are almost frightening. And so during mm-hmm. the during the last week and the week yet to come, you'll find um, people a little more sensitive to you know blowing up and stuff like that, and and it, possibly even the feeling of something's going to happen and I don't know what it is. Hmm. That's fascinating. I got another clip for you. Uh, okay. This is Alex Alex Jones. It's really interesting stuff. I, we've only got about fifteen minutes left, right? Right. I'll have to watch my time. So we got that story. We got RFK uh, comments he's made, and I know you're fans. Of, you're a fan of some of the stuff he talked, but we'll get into that as well. Bohemian Grove. Some of the things with uh, uh, that maybe you know a lot of people have no stories of it, but we'll head it again from a different angle. Then Navy uh, confirming they knew the sub was going down. I think Coast Guard knew as of last Sunday, but none of us knew about it. We're thinking, hey, 40 more hours, all this other stuff. We'll talk about that. Corinne Jean-Pierre's uh, 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 questioning this last, uh, I think it was even yesterday. It was yesterday. It was amazing. Back and forth, and she just didn't want to answer any of it. I think and, even and Kirby, Kirby got, invo- Kirby got Kirby involved. Got, Kirby walked off. Yeah, he walked off. A prediction you made March 8th of this year that came true. We'll play that clip. And we got a few other things. But this is the first thing I want to talk about from my standpoint. So Sandy Hook, we're not talking Sandy Hook. What I want to talk to you about is they came out, if you can pull up this article, with a fine of, this is, Sandy Hook families want Alex Jones to pay up $2.75 trillion in damages as he seeks new trial. So here's a question I got for you. Either you're the richest man in the world and we don't know that. How do they collect that kind of money? How do they come up with a number like this co- to collect from you? And then they run articles in the New York Times saying Jones refuses to pay. <laughs> How am I? That's like that's the GDP of like Scotland. <laughs> Jones refuses more, to pay. more than that. Or France, I actually. Think. India's GDP is exactly tr- three exactly. trillion dollars. So they want you to pay India's GDP, <laughs> which is a billion five hundred million people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I mean, and they say why have you laughed? Well, well, here's the thing. I was found. This is very interesting because this is a new thing. You wonder why Fox settled Dominion for 700 and something million uh, right as the trial started uh, 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 over questioning the election, uh, which we're not doing. Obviously, all elections are free and fair. Biden's the greatest president ever. Uh, I'm serious. I love him. And, and the shots are wonderful. Take them all. Take hundreds of them. Yeah. But, but seriously, GMO's wonderful. Glyphosate's wonderful. Uh, 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 Hunter Biden's great. Yeah. Anyway, I love his laptop. Very entertaining. No, but seriously, what yeah. was I going to say? Uh, no problem. I had, I, I, what they do is they, in certain jurisdictions like Austin and areas of Connecticut and D.C., they go in, and, and, and this was in the case uh, with, uh, or, or Delaware with uh, 
with the Fox, and they the, the judge defaults you. The judge defaults you and says to the jury, you're guilty. Well, the judge didn't call the default in Dominion with, with, with Fox. The judge said, I'm saying you're guilty and you did lie about the election, and I'm going to tell the jury that, and we're going to start it from that point. So she did like a soft default with them. That's when they went, whoa, we settled. Well, with me, they did a hard default, said I gave them no information. No, I, I gave them four years of stuff, gave them everything they wanted, and then they had no case because I never made up any of the stuff that they said that I said, and I couldn't put a defense on. The jury's only heard, I'm guilty, now decide how much. Then they put financial experts on that never examined our books, didn't want to look at our books, and said I was worth $400 million. At the time of that first trial, I had about $2 million in the bank, and this is some real estate. That's it? Yeah, it's all lies. It's all lies. Sure, I've had gross sales of, of, of $60 million before, but when you're selling you know, water filters and you're only making 30% on them because you give them a good price, yeah, I mean, I've sold $10 million of water filters a year. And then, I, and, then, and then we end up after everything, you know, getting a couple million, and then I probably get a couple hundred thousand out of that. So you know how business is. You don't get the gross amount. And so uh, they, they look back over the fact that we made, I, I mean, probably like $600, $700 million in the last uh, uh, 10, 12 years. And they just said, look, he kept $400 million. And then the juries went, well, fine, then give him a billion. And then they went back to the judge and said $1.5 in Connecticut's not enough. They said, and that's why it's in Bloomberg. This is not a joke, folks. They said, well, no, he, we want $2.75 trillion. How did they come up with that number, though? Uh, they gave an FBI agent who I'd never heard his name, never talked about him. They had none of me on air, none of my crew, no articles. Didn't, I, he's listed in the lawsuit from Connecticut. First time I ever read his name, and he got 90-plus million from me. I know that, and, and the law says in Connecticut and Texas, you can't sue somebody if they didn't say your name. Judges waved it and said, we don't care. Look it up. Ninety. He got ninety-five million dollars. I'd never seen him. Did not know his name till I get the lawsuit and I Google his name. And, and he said on the stand, he got a one phone call at his office to make sure he was really an FBI agent. And he said, and that that was because of me. I didn't even know who the guy was that called. Then the guy that called his office showed up at the court, and I found his videos on YouTube. Just a polite guy calling up saying, "Hey, people say this didn't happen. I'm just calling to check you're really an FBI agent." And the jury said, ninety-something million dollars. You got one phone call. Anyway, that's crazy stuff. Uh, wow. I guess, it, I guess, I guess the story is, man, don't go to, don't go to court these days. It's just all corrupt. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Um, I wanted to mention too. Um, theoretically, we were talking about prophecies and predictions. Um, we slightly mm -hmm. got off topic, but that's just fine. But on my website, I do have. Um, uh, a button there that, that I do write a, a prophecy for each year, and yeah. so far, the pro yeah so far the prophecies for for this year have been pretty much on topic, which I found fascinating. I, I always find fascinating. What what you know, did you? I, what was your prophecy? I talked, to, what does it say? I talked about countries changing their borders. Um. And I do believe states will be changing theirs as well. Um, I talked about um, the volcanic and the and the um, the volcanoes and and the earthquakes and the tsunamis were going to increase. Um, I, I'm not sure if I wrote wrote it or not, but if you if you ever look at the the island of Japan, you know how how islands you know have a foundation that that they 
you know, go down to the bottom of the sea, right? Um, mm-hmm. Well, the foundation under Japan <clears throat> is like an inverted pyramid so that it won't take much to knock it off of its balance. And um, I think eventually Japan's going to go under. Wow. I mean, and, and there's, uh, there's quite a bit there. So are you talking about the border of the U.S. changing as well? Yeah, um, and, and some of the states especially. Um, I, I, I think that ultimately um, California is going to be two states, and I believe some states that are two are going to go back to one. Uh, Virginia, West Virginia, I do believe, is going to be re- reconnected. And, um, wow. So, you know, there's... there's yeah. Um, what? And I've been doing doing that for about ten years now. What do you think of uh, the immigration, the crazy people coming over from the southern border? You know, the hundreds well, of millions of people. I I think that 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 we have put the wrong word to it. It's not immigration. It's invasion. Yes, it's an invasion. Thank you for saying that. It's an invasion. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's, and it's not just South American people. It's people from China. It's people from Ukraine. It's people from all over the world. And um, it is an invasion. And, and what I would be most upset about are the Chinese who, you know, were for a while there buying up all of the farmland in the middle of the country. Yeah. So, um, no, it's an invasion. It is It is absolutely, um, we're being overrun. And I'm what, not seeing there are good... Bi- of what? Sorry to interrupt you. What do you think of Biden and his his corruption? <laughs> First of all, I think the man has dementia. Um, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been around enough people with dementia to recognize it when I see it. I, I, I am not yeah. a medical authority, but I've been around dementia enough to, to recognize it. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, I think he's corrupt. And he and his family have been corrupt for decades and decades and decades. And he has done exactly what Hillary Clinton did. He's he's had you know he's he's uh, used the government as a piggy bank. And uh, I don't think anything will ever be done. I think that his son is corrupt as well. But but I believe his father taught him how to be corrupt. So and, and at this point, I don't think. Biden's brain is all there, so so you couldn't really, you know, put him on trial because he's not competent to be put on trial. His son oh. is. Oh. If he if he ever took that that test they give old people, um, he'd fail it. I mean, he he he. He has a script that he's given. He has, you know, people who steer him place to place to place to place. 
I think what's being yeah. done with him is 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 horrible. They they are manipulating him around. I think they'll run him. I think he'll be the 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 uh, the uh, the nominee. But oh, I don't think, think so? his mind is. The, oh yeah. Who else? Okay. I mean, uh, some people else. are saying Mich- some people are saying Michelle Obama is going to run. Even even I don't know. even even worse. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's so nobody to really to run, and and he really, really, I do not believe he has any idea what's going on. Right, right. And I I, I blame his wife. His wife could have stopped it. I think. Yeah, I don't I mean, quite get her. She seems well, to be more on top of things and a lot clearer than he is. Well, she has to be because he's incompetent. I mean, he literally has a list of, you know, sit here, walk there. I mean, he... he and he doesn't know what he's saying. God save the queen? Give me a break. Did he say that? Yeah, he ended a speech with "God Save the Queen." Okay. Not, not a week, not a week ago. So wow. and oh, how about the railroad across the Indian Ocean? I didn't hear that one. Yeah, I mean, it's oh it's it, 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 he's he's just it's pathetic. It's sad. He should be he should be allowed to have some time where he still has some of a mind to sort of relax and enjoy the millions that mm-hmm. he has built this all of. Because um, you can't, you cannot possibly put him on trial. You can't do it. But at some point, hide. Biden, Biden, Biden at some point is, it's just a sad story. Very. You know what I, I mean, mean, he wanted this. He wanted this forever. He he was in Congress or whatever for fifty years. He's been in politics mm-hmm. most of his life, and and but corrupt most of his life as well. So mm-hmm. you know the time that he could have been charged and 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 gone to jail. You know when he had actually a mind. That that's long gone. Yeah, so, and he falls down a lot. He keeps falling oh, down all the time. Makes you feel sorry for him. You know. He's he's an old man. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> very, very and, much. And every everybody ages differently. So if you can't put a number on it, but I do think that somehow we should get um term limits for for both Congress and the Senate. There there should be a limitation as to how long. I mean, when you got 90-year-old people who, you know, just don't know what day it is that are still voting, you know, surprise, our government's corrupt. Of course it is. I don't know if the voting machines are ever going to be any good anymore. It seems like the whole voting process has been destroyed or corrupted as well. Well, here in Nashville... They gave me a card to put in the machine to make my choices on and everything. I did that. I pulled it out. 
there was nothing on it. I took it to another machine, and they put it in the machine. I said, there was nothing on it. And they said, well, you can't see it, but it's there. I said, no, it's not there. I didn't vote. You counted me as someone who voted, but you didn't tally anything I said. I mean, and, right. and, and we, all, we all went through the whole process. You know, like, like, like um, lemmings. You know, we all did the thing. Mm-hmm. We didn't see our votes being counted, but they told us they were. Mark, it's it's a um, couple minutes to go. I want to thank you. I didn't realize we were so close to the end. Uh, this has been such fun. <laughs> hey. I would love to do this again. <laughs> Let's do it. Let me know. It sounds great. I will absolutely. Thank you so much for uh, sharing. And your show is on... Um, is on Freedom Slips it's Radio, right? Freedom Freedom Slips four to six on Saturday. Okay, have everybody tune in and check you out there, and and the and the Billy Meyer material. People really have to to look at it. It's really profound material as well. There's a lot there, so, a whole lot there. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> so thanks again, <laughs> and uh, I will check in with you again soon. Thanks, Barbara. See ya. Bye-bye. Good night. Bye-bye. Good night, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Um, We'll be around again tomorrow. Mark has a show tomorrow morning at 12 o'clock Central Time. Nope, 12 o'clock Eastern Time. Sorry about that. And uh, it was a very interesting man. So tune in then. Good night now. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.